Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. This week, our teaching is continuing the series, Teach Us to Pray, and we'll be looking at what it means to devote our life to prayer. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint, and you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we'd love to hear from you. You can find an online connection card at the bottom of the viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. Additionally, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now, today, no matter how you're joining with us, may your hearts be open and expectant, because God is here, and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to Him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Hello again. I just want to, before I start, a couple things before I forget. Where's that red light? It must be the middle one. Hi, online. We're here. And then also, I don't know if you're wondering who that young strapping man was, Marcus. But when I came to Southview 13 years ago, I'm pretty sure he was quite smaller and he didn't grow a beard quite as well. But uh, was really pleased to see him as, as he, I think I don't want to put words in your mouth, Marcus, but uh, really relied on Sean when Sean was here at Mosaic and putting a lot of time and effort getting to know him and cultivating the great worship leader you've become. So great job, Marcus. Yeah. Uh, So for those of you who've been with us this summer, or perhaps keeping up online, we've been in a series entitled Teach Us to Pray. And I have to say that for me, it was a real gift having the different guest speakers over the last few months while Clyde was away. And obviously, I'm thrilled that Clyde is back. We all are. But if you haven't been able to check out those different speakers that we have had, I would encourage you to go back and maybe listen through on the podcast because it was a gift to us as a church to be formed by different voices in our city and some that call Southview home like Bill McAlpine or Rick Strangway or Rod Sawatsky. And so that was really wonderful. And in this series, we've been looking at prayer and trying to approach it practically. And we know from the history of the church, and hopefully through experience, that prayer is one of the most important practices or disciplines of the Christian faith, if not the most important. And we see it in Jesus's life and ministry. He gave us a clear indication of human dependence on the Father. He prayed regularly, and at times he prayed at Uh, at great length and with great intensity, like at the Garden of Gethsemane. In Luke 6.12, we saw that Jesus prayed before the important step of choosing the 12 disciples. Jesus felt himself dependent on the Father for guidance and for strength and for preservation from evil. So in this series, to remind us what we've covered, we looked at intercession in the life of Abraham. We looked at meeting God in the night or the darkness through the story of Jacob wrestling with God. We looked at our own struggle with waiting through the story of the golden calf. 
And also, we looked at the power of persevering and persistent faith, or persistent prayer, sorry. And Clyde picked up the last couple of weeks of the series, and we looked at how to pray when we're at the end of our rope, through the example of Psalm 88, and then how to pray when we want to experience God's love through Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And so what I'd like to do today is look at devoting our lives to prayer, what that looks like, what hinders us from stepping into that deeper life of prayer, and then how we can take a step forward. So first, I want to take a look at some passages of Scripture that point to the importance of prayer because there's no better place to start than in God's Word. So if you turn to Acts 2, verse 42, I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And you can read along in your Bible or on an app. It'll be on the screen. And we're going to do some jumping around here right off the hop. So from Acts 2.42, remember, this is the Word of God. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Then we're going to jump two chapters over, chapter 6, verse 4. While we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. And then let's jump back all the way to Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. And so those are just three verses that are pointing to the life and practice of the early church. This is our history. But let's jump to some of Paul's writings on prayer, and we're going to start with Colossians 4, 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18, it says, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then lastly, for now, Ephesians 6, 18, it says, pray in the spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. So before we continue, why don't I pray? Father, we come to you asking that you would show us the way. Open our minds and hearts to the work of your spirit in this time. We ask this in your name. Amen. So to be honest, as much as I want this to be what my life looked at or looked like, I can't say it necessarily always looks that praying without ceasing. I've struggled with this kind of devotion for as long as I can recall. And I know I'm supposed to pray without ceasing and devote my life to it, but it's so difficult. In fact, I'll bet you there had to be, I know of at least one, that would have heard all those verses, someone that heard those verses and just thought to themselves, that sounds exhausting. I kind of agree. But I think if we approach prayer as simply an intellectual exercise, where we would be somewhat like marooned sailors that were sending a note in a bottle on the off chance that someone might read it, it's particularly difficult to maintain the faith that it's really doing anything or that it's worth it. But I promise you that isn't the case. Sometimes 
We are solely focused on the outcome that we're seeking rather than the most important part of prayer, that part being God's presence. And Bryce spoke on this a few weeks ago on July 30th. He said, when he was talking about Moses, if you remember, the promised land was right there. It's flowing with milk and honey. And yet Moses wanted nothing to do with it if he couldn't experience the presence of God. Because the presence of God is the point, not the specific outcome that we may be looking for. And by the same token, if we feel like we're throwing prayers up into the sky with no response, it gets discouraging. It kind of goes from a dialogue situation to a monologue. And honestly, our culture is so unaccustomed to waiting for a response to anything, it's no wonder we get impatient with God. Each of us have sent text messages to someone expecting an immediate response. And many of us, you don't have to put up your hand, but many of us make sure our read receipts are turned off so that we can read the text message but not reply right away and they don't know, you don't hurt anybody's feelings. It's a pressure that we all generally deal with and that's just with our family and friends. Meanwhile, we're talking to God and expecting the same thing even though his time is completely different from ours. We want to hold him to our expectations rather than submit to his will and timing. And similarly, that outward and inward darkness we talked about a couple weeks ago, it feels like we're all on our own. It's not uncommon, nor is it even unexpected. And Clyde referenced it. Even Jesus' prayer on the cross in Matthew 27, 45 was, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus experienced that darkness and didn't abandon us in that moment. In his book, Hearing God, Dallas Willard recounted a story from early in his ministry, and I'll read it to you. Sunday dinner was finished, but we lingered round the table, savoring good food and reflecting on the morning service at church. The congregation was excited about its plans for a new sanctuary to replace its old building, which was much loved, but long overused and outgrown. And the morning message had focused on the plans for the new building, and the pastor spoke of his vision for the church's increased ministry. He indicated how strongly he felt God's guidance in the way the congregation was going, and he testified that God had spoken to him about things that should be done. And my wife, this is Dallas Willard writing, my wife's grandmother, Mrs. Lucy Latimer, Mima to, all, to us all, seemed deep in thought as we continued to chatter along. Finally, she said quietly, I wonder why God never speaks to me like that. And this simple comment, which came like a bolt out of the blue from the heart of this woman of unshakable faith, complete devotion, forever changed Dallas Willard's attitude toward glib talk about God speaking to us or about divine guidance through her words, in a way that he only came to understand later, God spoke to him. Lucy, or Mima, to the family, expressed something that I think many of us feel inside, but we don't necessarily share it with others. 
We hear the testimony of pastors or authors, mentors, international workers, friends or family, but we ask the same question, well, why doesn't God speak to me like that? And the premise of Willard's book is that God is speaking and that it's through a variety of circumstances that God speaks, including a voice, but rather the issue is not that he's not speaking, but rather that we're not actually listening. And that takes devotion and discipline and practice. So let's jump in first and foremost to what being devoted to prayer looks like. And I think to do this, we need to zoom out a little bit and look at the presence of God. After all, that's where we're to aim ourselves. We seek to experience God's presence. It's a relationship with Him that we seek over and above everything else. Ronald Rollheiser, a Catholic priest and author, says, Private or effective prayer has many forms. Meditation, centering prayer, praying the rosary, and devotional prayers of all kinds. But effective prayer has a single aim, to draw us and our loved ones into deeper intimacy with Christ. In the end, no matter its particular form, and even when it's done publicly or in a large group, all private and devotional prayer can be defined in this way. It is a prayer that tries in myriad ways to open us up in such a way that we can hear God say to us, I love you. So in our approach to devoting ourselves to prayer, experiencing or practicing God's presence should be the aim. And when we think of our symbol here at Southview, highlighting those three dimensions, up, in, and out, we're looking at cultivating our up relationship with the Father, coming to know who He is and speaking with Him regularly. And this has been written among the historical spiritual writers to mean that we won't be able to advance within the spiritual life unless we pray for at least an hour a day privately. And I think on one hand, that's obviously great advice, but perhaps a little too rigid for many, but maybe we, we do start to set time aside. Maybe it's 15 minutes or a half hour or maybe a whole hour to sit with God and pray. Rollheiser had this to say, I was stressing about this concept one day in a talk when a lady asked how this might apply to her, given that she was home with young children who demanded her total attention. Where would I ever find an uninterrupted hour each day? She moaned. Those are his words. I would, I'm afraid, be praying with children screaming and tugging at my pants leg. And a few years earlier, Rollheiser might have been tempted to point out to her that if her life was that hectic, then she, of all people, needed time daily away from her children for private prayer, among other things. But as it was... Rollheiser gave her different advice. He said, if you're home alone with small children whose needs give you little in uninterrupted time, then you don't need an hour of private prayer daily. Raising small children, if it's done with love and generosity, will do for you exactly what private prayer does. So was Rollheiser saying that anything can replace set aside time of prayer? Well, no, absolutely not. But we are too hard on ourselves in this area, and then we get frustrated or despairing, or we just give up. And time goes by, and we've spent little intentional time praying and seeking God's presence, 
But to only push that experience to a specific set-aside time is a mistake because God wants to be a part of everything that we do. His presence doesn't magically appear in a prayer closet or here at the church. He is longing for us to recognize His love and His presence everywhere. And this really, as you've probably heard me say, this is really the heart of ordinary time, the season that we're in right now in the church year. There are mundane areas that Jesus is equally interested in being a part of in our lives. He wants all of us. Rollheiser says we often approach Jesus like he's a parent that only wants to see us on our best behavior. So we wait to come to him because we're too distracted or angry or emotionally preoccupied. But rather, we can pray out of those feelings and experiences as well. And in fact, God welcomes that. That's what he's, that's what he's looking for. Which I think leads well into the next point. What hinders us from a life devoted to prayer? Well, it probably goes without saying that the busyness of our lives will play a pretty significant role. And if we're focused on prayer being simply quiet time set aside, again, important and beneficial and important to do, but if we're focused only on that, then yes, it is hard to build time into a life that's really focused on raising children or working 60 hours a week or playing sports or driving your kids to sports. Our lives are busy. However, prayer can live in those spaces as well. Another hindrance for us that I think everyone is acquainted with in some way, shape, or form is, and it's a heavy word, would be shame in various, in various forms. And so that can be shame associated with something that happened to us or something that happened because of us. It could be shame associated with our religious upbringing. But everyone knows shame. And shame can be crippling in our lives certainly can be crippling in our spiritual lives. And we're not going to solve this today, but I want you to know, even for me, I've had times in my life ongoing where I have crippling shame that I have to contend with from day to day. And so I just want to say two things about this. First, there is help out there. Shame can and often will dictate our lives daily, but there is a way out from under it. I personally have benefited, depending on the day, benefited more or less, you be the judge, but I've personally benefited from a lot of therapy and am a huge supporter of its ability to impact mental health. And I, I couldn't say that more or more clearly. But second, and really most importantly, Jesus isn't waiting for us to get our shame sorted out in order to come to him. He longs for us to come to him, all who are weary and burdened. And it doesn't matter where the shame or burdens came from, whether something happened to you or because of you. It would be the equivalent of waiting until treatment for sickness is done before coming to Jesus we wouldn't even think to do that, hopefully, but mentally and emotionally, when we carry shame, we avoid God. 
when in fact that is the precise moment He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to bring those things to Him. And I don't say this just to throw it out there or to bring guilt for some, but rather permission. I want you to know I've been there. Sometimes I'm still there. But if Jesus is who we say he is, and if Jesus is who scripture tells us he is, then it needs to be pointed out that he is open-armed in his acceptance and his longing to be with us. And we need to remember as well that prayer has a huge ebb and flow. It is not always triumphant or celebratory. Rollheiser says that when we try to pray, sometimes we walk on water and sometimes we sink like a stone. Sometimes we have a deep sense of God's reality and sometimes we can't even imagine that God exists. We need to make the aim experiencing God's presence, bringing everything that we are to Him, and doing so faithfully rather than aiming for a specific outcome or emotion or feeling. And so going into just this last kind of point on how to take a step towards this life of devotion to prayer, it sounds like a huge job and really... It does take practice and time and devotion. But let me start with a story that helps paint a picture. I want you, you to imagine you have an aged mother who is confined to a nursing home. You're the dutiful child, and every night after work, one hour a night, you stop and spend time with her, helping her with her evening meal sharing the events of the day, and simply being with her as her daughter or her son. Now, I doubt that, save for a rare occasion, you will have many deeply emotive or even necessarily interesting conversations. On the surface, your visits will seem mostly routine and dry. Most times, you'll be talking about trivial, everyday things. The kids are fine. Steve dropped by last week. Mom, your food is really bland. No, we didn't get much rain, just a sprinkle. And given that you're busy and preoccupied with many pressures in your own life, it's natural that you will sneak a peek at your watch occasionally. But if you persevere on those regular visits with your mother, month after month, year after year, among everyone in the whole world, you will grow to know your mother the most deeply. And she will grow to know you the most deeply. That's because a deep level of relationship, the real connection between us, takes place below the surface of the conversation. We begin to know each other through simple presence. And prayer is the same. If we pray faithfully every day, year in and year out, we can expect maybe not the most excitement every day, or maybe even lots of boredom and regular temptations to look at the clock. But a bond and an intimacy will be growing under the surface, a deep growing bond with our God. So much of this devoted to prayer discipline is putting in the time day after day, but also learning to recognize God's presence beyond the set-aside time of prayer. Brother Lawrence, who 
is most famous for the book Practice the Presence of God, shared how his experience of the presence of God grew as he peeled potatoes. And perhaps we keep that in mind the next time we wash the dishes or when we wake up and shower in the morning, but we need to be intentional about it. And prayer doesn't need to be an abundance of words. Some say that it's best to keep it simple. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 8 that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. So here's an example of something you could try if you want to take a step. And it won't necessarily be for everyone, but I would say try it anyway. So first... I broke them down up there. First, find a place where you can sit quietly and comfortably for 15 minutes or more. You can set a timer if that helps. Next, read a short passage of Scripture. So you could do something as simple as what I read earlier, Acts 2.42, something a little longer if you want to read Psalm 88, although that's kind of a darker one, but we know that's good. If you were there for that sermon, that was a good psalm. And then, after you've read that passage, close your eyes and think of like a more peaceful image or something that can calm you, and then think on the presence of God, a God who yearns to be close to you. And some people find it helpful, historically, to silently repeat a simple word or phrase like Jesus or Lord have mercy. And if during this time you feel anxious or worried that you might not be doing it right, remember the words of a holy peasant who, when asked to share his secret to deep prayer, said simply, I just look at God and let God look at me. Another example for many throughout history, formed prayers or pre-written prayers have been helpful. And I know that this has been an extremely positive thing in my own prayer life. N.T. Wright says this, There's nothing wrong with having a form of words composed by somebody else. Indeed, there's probably something wrong with not using such a form. Some Christians, some of the time, can sustain a life of prayer entirely out of their own internal resources. Just as there are hardy mountaineers who can walk the Scottish highlands in their bare feet, but most of us need boots. Not because we don't want to do the walking ourselves, but because we do. And so truth be told, any of these things, whether it be formed prayers or that kind of uh, resting presence exercise, it's the taking of an intentional step that's the most important. And it doesn't even have to be those examples. But just taking one step towards deepening your life of prayer. So I'm going to close with another poignant quote from N.T. Wright. He says, There is, of course, much more that could be said about prayer, but the important thing is to get on with it. Just take the step. And so I do think it's fitting that we come to this table because coming to the Lord's table is one of the key ways that we can gather together in faith with him, but also receive from him. And so we remember that Christ's body was broken for us. 
And likewise, that Christ's blood was poured out for us. Let's pray. Father, we come to your table eager to receive from you. Through this meal, we ask that you would be present with us and give us what we need to deepen our walk with you. Set us free from the things that hinder us from a deeper life of prayer. We ask this in your name. Amen. And so, as we take the bread, again, I remind you, the body of Christ was broken for you. Let's partake together. And now we take the cup and hear these words. The blood of Christ was poured out for you. Receive from him. Amen. Will you stand together? I do hope you'll join us next week as... Clyde's going to finish this series. And also next week, if you're new with us, or maybe it's a good reminder, next week is our annual commissioning weekend, which is a time where we are commissioned as a church body, wherever we go, wherever we've been uniquely placed, to go out and bring the kingdom to those spaces in our city and around the world. And so I do hope you'll join us. Hear these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.